Hello. Uh, let's talk about preferred providers and preferred provider networks or PPNs. This is Yafa Sakaja, the CEO of Ben and Plan, and I want to tell you why I have decided not to proceed with PPNs. Um, this comes after my 13 years working full-time for a third-party benefits administrator. And I want to tell you kind of bottom line, all of the ways that we have experimented with PPNs and how they've all failed and how it really as a benefits broker or a benefits intermediary, it's a waste of time. It's not aligned with the financial interests of the client and the end user. Um, yeah, <laughs> sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but uh, I get so many pitches across my desk for every type of benefit network. Medicine, we have worked with three different large pharmacies here in Canada. We have tested them. We have road tested them. We've been in the field. We've done webinars. We've done employee meetings. We've stood in front of the union and talked about it in person. We have talked to paramedical clinics, physio clinics, all sorts of clinics. We've talked to dental, dental preferred provider networks, orthotics, orthotics networks, websites, you name it. And I'm always amazed at how they just continue to come up and come and say, hey, you know, you should really work with us. And here's the deal they typically want to show. They want to say, hey, you know, you, you can promote us to your clients. And in exchange, we're going to give your clients a discount. The reason why I just, sorry, hit delete or say thanks, but good luck and no thanks is because after so much trial and error, after over a decade of trying out PPNs, it doesn't achieve the outcome that we wanted to achieve. And what is the outcome? Well, for me at Beneplan, our goal is to drive down the cost of premiums for our business owner clients. That's how we compete. That's how we win business. We don't want to sit in front of a client at renewal and say, your premiums are going up 15%. We want to say they're going down 2%. That means that we've done our job at beating inflation. And that means that you completely are doing the right thing, both for your client, but, and their family, AKA their staff. Why do I say all this? Well, if you look at a preferred provider, let's take orthotics as an example, their job is to maximize their revenues and maximize their sales. Your business owner clients, whether they tell this to your face or not, they don't want to maximize claims. Their HR staff might say, yeah, we want to have people use the plan, but the person whose money we're spending, the business owner or the financial decision maker in that company actually would prefer the premiums are as low as possible, especially in today's environment. So when a PPN come to you, what they're really saying is, Hey, it's really hard for us to sell to the general public. Being a B2C business is tremendously expensive. Let's go B2B. And maybe they tried to go through the benefit plan, uh, decision maker, and they found that it was really hard. Yeah. Guess what? It is really hard to sell benefits for sure. You know this. So maybe they said, well, let's go through the aggregators. Let's go through brokerages or consultants. And maybe they will be able to amplify our message. Everybody 
loves to go from B to C to B to B to build the business. <sighs> I'm sighing a lot because I'm a little tired of talking about it. You know, we found statistically that in order for a plan member to change their behavior, they're going to have to see a savings of 20% or more. So that means that you might need to give an employee 30% of a difference in their out-of-pocket cost in order for them to change who they buy orthotics from or who they buy medicine from or which dentist they go and visit. So let's say your PPN hypothetically says, sure, here's a 20% discount. 20% should be enough to change behavior. Well, you still got to go through the plan sponsor. You've got to say, do you want to tell your staff to change their dentist? And the plan sponsor is going to say, well, what's in it for me? Why am I going to stop uh, focus from my business, which is to make widgets or to ship boxes? Uh, and you want me to now add, like I have a list, uh, I have my to-do list is like 150 items and I've got to make payroll. And by the way, inflation is through the roof and oh yeah, the union's upset. <laughs> oh, and the currency exchange rate is really bad. Oh, and the interest rate on our debt just got increased. Oh, and by the way, we have somebody who has cancer, but sorry, I'm sorry. What, what do you want? You want me to change who I buy orthotics from? Okay. Why do we have a problem? Are people not able to get them? No. Okay. All right. So <laughs> it's like, yeah. Now I do want to walk you through what happened. We did convince a few plan sponsors to take advantage of a PPM. In this case, it was pharmacy. And they said, sure. Okay. If it's a 20% savings, maybe we'll take the 10% and maybe our our staff will take the other 10% or maybe they were very generous as a business. And the corporation said, you know what, let's give the full 20% to staff. Then we ran it through the program. And then a year later, the business owner said, okay, let's take a look at the results. We opened it up and we found that zero people, zero <laughs> out of 200 staff had taken advantage. Well, we did flyers, we did seminars, we did all sorts of education. At the end of the day, they're group of staff did not change their behavior. Why is this? Well, number one, we're in Canada. Canadians are very sensitive when it comes to this stuff. You cannot require or force a Canadian plan sponsor to force their staff to buy medicine from somewhere else. We've heard people say things like, oh no, no insurance company is going to tell me where to buy my drugs or what? I'm never going to listen to where my employer wants me to buy something. Does that mean that they're getting a kickback? What's in it for them? Why do they care where I buy more shoes from? And unfortunately, these providers are incentivized to maximize the claims. There's no accountability framework that we can put in place as benefits consultants to see whether or not they're telling the truth. If they're actually submitting claims that are honest, as opposed to dishonest, fraudulent claims for orthotics, dentistry, medicine. And you know that there's an enormous amount of fraud in this um, category. This is a whole other podcast episode. So I'll tell you what does work though, not PPNs, but what does work are things like multi-tiered formularies or 
PLAs. PLAs, however, are a dirty word. <laughs> They're a bad word in benefits. Um, but let me just kind of explain what they are. PLA stands for price level agreement. And without making your eyes cross too much, it effectively means that whoever is buying the medicine goes to who's selling the medicine. So the maker of the drug and they negotiate a discount, but these discounts don't happen at the point of sale. It's not a public coupon. It is a private behind the scenes discount or rebate. Some people use the word kickback. They don't like it when we use words like that, but that's how, you know, regular people think of these things. What does that mean? That means that let's say you are a patient that takes a very expensive biologic drug and the maker of that drug goes to that insurance company and says, Hey, if you prefer my drug over the less expensive secondary entry biologic or interchangeable drug, uh, I'll give you a 50% credit. So that means if you're spending $30,000 for one medicine for one patient, that $15,000 will be invoiced to the drug company and that money will be paid, reimbursed directly to the carrier. <laughs> this is a really um, controversial topic. It's a lightning rod for controversy because PLAs don't actually benefit the end customer. They don't benefit businesses who pay for the benefit plan. They don't help the plan member. It helps actually the intermediary, the carrier, and it also helps the drug company because it keeps their more expensive drug on that higher tier. However, it does work because when you start to see big money changing hands, you start to see insurance companies requiring that people buy drugs from a different source. And I'm sorry to say, but you've got a very vulnerable population of people. They're very sick. It is possible. They might say, wow, I really need to buy this drug. I'm going to go ahead and buy it somewhere else. So you're talking about human motivation that has real impacts. I like PLAs when that money flows directly from the drug manufacturer to the uh, business owner, if they're paying for the plan themselves, or if the plan member is paying part of the premiums, it's good to give them the PLA as well, which is the discount. That really makes more sense. So these PLA programs, however, are run by several insurance companies. I bet you that the insurers that you're using use PLAs. I haven't met one that doesn't. And the ones that pretended like they were too ethical to do it have suddenly started to do it, which is, I mean, Hey, I'm a capitalist. You got to do what's right. And this is a legal thing they're doing. I mean, at Beneplan, we have one PLA that we work with. It's a multi-tiered formulary called reformulary. And we actually flow the money directly to the plan member or sorry, directly to the plan sponsor. And we are hoping they give it to the plan member. If that's the case, um, we can't control every single dollar, but we can control putting that drug discount directly in the hands of the business owner. So I think if you're going to spend time, you know, your time is so precious and so short and the attention span of your clients is so short you've got to do something that's going to be in direct financial incentive with their bottom line. They want to save money without impacting any patient health. And unfortunately, a PPN is a distraction. It is a waste of time. 
I'm Yafa Sakija, the CEO of Beneplan. If you have any questions or you want to be on this podcast, send me a note at yafa at Thanks for listening.